Chapter six through nine of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six. Spring came. The snow, which lay high all winter, began to melt, and here and there green spots appeared. Then the dandelions began to show their yellow heads, and the storks came flying back to build their nests in the old stump in the cemetery. Hens, followed by groups of black and yellow-headed chicks, walked about scratching in the soft warm earth and cackling cheerfully. As for us, mother and grandmother, having lived in fear and anxiety about father for thirteen years, and then having come near losing him, found it hard to believe at first that he was really beyond the reach of Russia. But once they realized this fact, they were as happy as they had never been before. Mother, who never sang except when rocking baby to sleep, and then only hummed, sang now as she went about her work and grandmother spoke about america from morning till night having a lively imagination she gave us her ideas of what she thought america was like the kind of people father would be likely to meet how soon he would find work how much he would earn and how soon he would be able to take his family over here she cried a good deal saying if i had been told a year ago that my only son would go away to the other end of the world and that i would continue to live knowing that i would never see him again i would not have believed it possible and yet it has come to pass and i am not only alive but contented that he should be away ah how strange is life and its ways then she would dry her tears and begin to wonder how he would live without her care who would look after his socks and who would cover his feet on cold nights but soon she consoled herself by saying oh but socks are cheap out there as no doubt everything else must be and they say that it is not as cold in america as in russia and we children were as happy as if we had been released from a dark damp prison cell it seemed to us that the lake was never so clear and blue or sparkled so brightly and the birds never sang so gaily before we ran about visiting one familiar place after another unable to stop long anywhere i came to my bush where i hid so often when i wanted to be alone as i stooped and parted the branches so as to hide more comfortably among them i saw a small half-finished bird's nest i picked it up and as i stood looking at it it occurred to me how very near our home came to being broken up so i put the nest back carefully and went away when grandfather came home we were shocked at the change in him his hair and beard gray before had turned white and his eyes they were the trustful eyes of a child had a strange questioning look in them he had become quite deaf but otherwise he was as sprightly as ever now the chief part of the support of the family fell to mother and the rest of us helped grandmother knitted stockings for the women of the village of course the stockings had to be looked over the lost stitches found and mended carefully that was my work grandmother also peeled the potatoes for the house these too i had to go over and cut away the peelings she had left i disliked this work and dropped many a tear on the potatoes then mother would say what crying so much the better we won't need to salt the potatoes and grandfather after bringing the wood building the fire fetching water from the spring would go to the village to see if there were any pots to mend grandfather had clever hands he could do wonders with a penknife and a piece of wood and in mending pots he was a perfect artist and so whenever he walked through the village the women would call him into their homes bless him for the pots he made whole and fill his little bag which he always carried upon his back with potatoes carrots turnips or onions on coming home he would look as happy as if he had a whole fortune in his bag 
come children and see what i have he would call out while still on the threshold then he would open his bag take out a carrot and holding it up high for our admiration he would say his face beaming is it not a perfect beauty and sweet and juicy just wait till you taste it then he would scrape it divide it among us and sit looking at us while we ate chapter seven after easter there was some pleasant outdoor work grandfather dug up the garden and we planted some vegetables of this work i liked planting potatoes best i enjoyed walking after the plough in the cool moist earth with my bare feet and while doing so it pleased me to imagine that i was yanko the sower i took long even strides and swung my arm back and forth in a circle as i took and dropped the potatoes mother saw me and scolded saying that i dropped them too far apart you are always playing she said your sister almost three years younger is already a little woman look bent almost double under a bag of potatoes sister was coming towards us walking unsteadily under the weight when she reached us mother took the bag and asked is it not too heavy the love in her eyes and tenderness in her voice made my heart ache with envy and so as usual i went for consolation to my bush while walking along i determined never to play again but as soon as i sat down the twigs and flowers turned into fanciful girls and boys who adored me i named each one of them and myself i called dina and then we went romping about in the fields i was extremely happy among these imaginary companions but often they were the cause of punishment for like real companions they lured me away from my work in the house to play among these companions there was one who at first was just a name i liked but after a while at the thought of the name i saw a vision of a tall dark handsome youth and as i always wished for a big brother who would take care of me i adopted him so real did this imaginary brother become that when i found myself alone in the dark trembling with fear i would call out oh ephraim where are you then i seemed to hear him say ah you little fraid cat i knew you would want me here take my hand then my two hands would clasp each other and i seemed to feel safer as soon as the warm weather came the women of the village gave all their time and thought to the work in the fields and so now we had no stockings to knit no sewing and no pots for grandfather to mend he would often come home from the village with his little bag empty and sadness in his eyes indeed there were many days when we had not enough even of potatoes but this hardship did not last long soon a letter and money came from father this was the first letter from america father did not tell us much about his life out there he just said that he was boarding with a nice russian jewish family and that he was already working and earning ten dollars a week the rest of the letter was just good cheer and loving messages to each one of us grandmother kept the letter under her pillow and soon the writing was defaced by her tears one day i managed to get hold of it i put it into my pocket slipped out of the house then i took it out and looked at it it seemed to me so wonderful that a letter posted in america found its way into our little village and this is american paper and here is an american stamp and no doubt father touched this very stamp with his fingers when i thought of that he did not seem so far away when winter came mother bought feathers to pick having three daughters she said she needed many pillows for their dowry i liked picking feathers as i liked sewing not so much for itself as because it left my mind free to dream sometimes mother would let sister and myself take our bags of feathers and go to visit our neighbors 
one whom we enjoyed visiting most was siomka she was a little lonely old widow who lived in a small hut not far away from us during the summer she lived by working in the fields for neighbors and in the winter she spun and wove to get to her living-room we had to pass her outhouse this was a large windowless room a place i used to run through when alone with fast beating heart but when sister was with me i was not so afraid though she knew no fear herself she always seemed to understand as soon as we would come to the outhouse door she would slip her little hand which was always warm into mine and say hold on to me then together we would run through often by the time i found the latch i was in a cold perspiration but once within siomka's smoke-covered walls i was happy by means of a log of wood we would climb up on her bed which was just some boards knocked together and covered with a sack of straw and there we would remain all afternoon picking our feathers and watching siomka weave i loved to see the shuttle sliding between the threads and hear the rhythmical sound of the loom often siomka would stop her weaving and stoop down to pat the pink snout of her wee pig at her touch he would blink his tiny eyes wag his little tail and grunt softly the first time we saw the little pig siomka told us that she received him for some spinning she had done and that she was feeding him up for christmas but christmas came and went and we saw the little pig still following siomka about the house or lying curled up at her feet while she spun then she told us that she would surely kill him for easter easter noon while passing siomka's window i saw her eating black bread and potatoes then she came out and sat down on the doorstep and watched with smiling eyes the little pig rolling in the soft mud before the hut chapter eight grandmother had two children besides father both daughters the elder was happily married and lived about two or three days journey from us whether through indifference or because of the distance i do not know but she never came to see her parents or wrote to them sometimes a traveller from her part of the country passing through our village would stop at our house and give us her greetings the younger was twenty-one years of age now and was working in mink a large city she left home when she was sixteen and being fond of children she became a nurse girl as grandmother expected her to be a seamstress this choice of occupation caused grandmother as many tears as father's becoming a tailor instead of a rabbi for a nurse girl was thought to be as much below a seamstress as a tailor below a rabbi father had been in america but a short time when grandmother realized that his immigration had lessened aunt masha's prospects of marriage when she came to this conclusion her peace was gone she wept night and day poor masha she moaned what is to become of her her chances had been small enough without a dowry and now burdened with an aged father and a blind helpless mother the best she can expect is a middle-aged widower with half a dozen children mother tried to comfort her by telling her that she would remain in russia as long as grandmother lived so that she would not have to live with masha but this only irritated her you talk like a child she wept you stay here and wait for my death while my son at the other end of the world will be leading a life of loneliness and as for me would i have any peace knowing that i was the cause mother seeing that she could do nothing to comfort her silently awaited results one night i woke hearing a muffled sound of crying i felt for grandmother with whom i slept but she was not beside me frightened i sat up and peered into the darkness the crying came from the foot of the bed and soon i discerned grandmother sitting there with her hands clasped about her knees and her face buried in her lap she sat rocking gently and weeping 
i called to her in a whisper to come and lie down but she did not answer for a while i sat trembling with cold and fear then i slipped far back under the warm comforter and tried to sleep but the picture of grandmother sitting alone in the dark and cold haunted me and so again i arose creeping over to her quickly i curled up close to her and put my arms around her cold trembling form at first she did not take any notice of me but after a few minutes she lifted her head and unclasping her hands she drew me under her shawl saying as she laid her wet face against mine oh you little mouse how do you creep up to one but you had better go back to your place or you will catch cold when i went back and as grandmother tucked me in i asked her why she cried so never mind you little busybody she said go to sleep but i teased her to tell me and finally she said with a sigh and speaking more to herself than to me it is about masha go to sleep now you will hear all about it to-morrow she sat down on the edge of the bed gently patting my shoulder as she had often done when i was a little girl soon i fell asleep the next day the rings under her eyes were darker and her eyelids were more red and swollen than usual but otherwise she seemed more calm than she had been for a long time after dinner she said to mother hesitating at every word as she spoke you know i decided last night that when you go to america masha should go with you this startled mother so that she almost dropped the baby whom she was swinging on her foot what are you saying masha go to america and you left here alone yes alone she sighed as if i never had any children but so it must be true i have not had a happy life but happy or not i have lived it and now it is almost at an end but masha has just begun to live and in america she will have a better chance for there are fewer women there they say as for me i shall not be without comfort in my last days when i am lonely i shall think of her happily married and surrounded by dear little children like yours and now listen to this plan of course i cannot be left here alone though my needs are few and so before you start for america you will take me to my niece in the city she is a very pious woman and so i am sure she will give me a little space in some corner of her house of course you will pay her for a year of my board and after that perhaps you will send her money but i hope it won't be necessary indeed i feel that i won't trouble this world much longer mother tried to dissuade her from this plan but she turned a deaf ear and insisted that we write to father at once and we did about a month passed before we received an answer the letter was heavier than usual and when we opened it two yellow tickets fell out from among the two closely written sheets what is this we all asked at once not money and this writing must be english we handed the tickets to grandmother who held out her hand for them suddenly her hand began to tremble and she said perhaps these are steamer tickets quickly read the letter after the usual greetings father wrote since masha is to come to america she might as well start as soon as she can get ready and rahul had better come with her i am sure she can earn at least three dollars a week with her help i'll be able to bring the rest of the family over much sooner perhaps in a year or so and besides now she can still travel on a half-ticket which i am enclosing with the one for masha quite bewildered i looked at mother her lips were opening and closing without making a sound suddenly she caught me into her arms and burst into tears 
Chapter 9 For many days Mother could not look at the steamer tickets without tears in her eyes. And even then, though she tried to speak cheerfully about my going to America, I noticed that the anxious look which came into her eyes while the letter was being read never left them. Also, I felt her eyes following me about on every step. But once only she gave way to her feelings openly. One morning, while she was fastening the back of my dress, I caught a few disconnected words which she uttered low as though she were speaking to herself. Good heavens! Child, twelve years old! Care! Herself! Then came those inward tearless sobs, and I felt her hands tremble on my back. But Grandmother took the news in a manner that astonished us all. When I looked at her over my mother's shoulder after the letter was read, I saw her sitting at the table in her usual position. Her head was bent low and a little to one side, and her hands were folded in her lap. Very quietly she sat, not a word, not a tear came from her. Even Grandfather, who never took any notice of her except to scold, looked at her in surprise. "'Well, Bela,' he said, "'have you wept yourself dry?' or perhaps you have come to your senses at last and realize how useless tears are remember that you are sending your child away yourself i can always take care of my needs but you will die in the poor house grandfather and grandmother were always quarrelling grandfather claimed that she wept her eyes out and grandmother said that all her troubles came because of his impiety but when i grew older i learned that there was a deeper reason for their quarrels as a rule, when Grandfather scolded, Grandmother would retort with great spirit, but this time it was as if she did not hear him. She called me and dictated a letter to Aunt Masha to come home at once. Then she went to her trunk and took out the ball of fine linen thread which she had been saving for years. And while starting a pair of stockings for Aunt Masha, I heard her figuring quietly what we would need for the journey, how long it would take us to get ready, and what day we would start. As for me, I became suddenly a very important person. At home I was looked upon as a guest. Now Mother never pressed me to do any work. On the contrary, as soon as I would start to do something, she would say, Run out and play. You will work hard enough pretty soon. Neither did I find it necessary to feign illness as I had often done before that I might be fondled and caressed. No, indeed. Now Mother would often put Baby down to take me on her lap and the young women of the village, who never took any notice of me before, would stop to speak to me. One day, at sundown, I sat on our gate munching a bit of carrot and watching the red sun disappearing gradually behind the treetops, when I became aware of someone standing in back of me. I turned around and saw Miriam. She was a pretty, gypsy-like young woman whose dark eyes always looked moist and a little red as though she had just been crying. "'So you are going to America,' she said, looking at me wistfully. You are very fortunate. Of course, you are too young to realize it now, but you will later, when you grow older and think of this. She pointed to Siomka's half-tumbled hut, and the little pig who stood at the door and squealed to be let in. No, she continued almost in a whisper, your life won't be wasted like. Here Siomka's little pig squealed louder than ever, and Miriam turned suddenly and went away. I sat for a long while, wondering what the last word might have been. Then I jumped down from the gate and ran into the house to look at the steamer tickets, perhaps for the tenth time that day. I do not know whether I considered myself fortunate in going to America or not. But I do remember that when I convinced myself, by looking at the tickets often, that it was not a dream like many others I had had, 
that i would really start for america in a month or six weeks i felt a great joy of course i was a little ashamed of this joy i saw that mother was unhappy and grandmother's sorrow very awful in its calmness was double now for i felt that i was almost as dear to her as aunt masha when a week passed we cleaned the house as thoroughly as if it were for easter in honour of aunt masha's coming during the five years that she had been away she visited us twice the last time had been three years before and so we were all excited and eager to see her as the days passed and the time drew near for her coming grandmother became so impatient and nervous that she would jump at the least outdoor sound asking excitedly what is that i think i hear the rumbling of wheels isn't that someone coming then we would all rush to the door and windows and find that it was only a cart passing on the road or a pig scratching his back against the sharp corner of the house one day we really heard a cart drive up to the door when we ran out we saw a small plump pretty young woman in a brown dress jump lightly to the ground oh grandmother quickly come it is aunt masha in a moment grandmother tumbled out of bed but before she could reach the door she was in aunt masha's arms and for a while there was sobbing in every corner of the room End of chapter nine